To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Word of God that we'll look at this morning comes from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, the 29th chapter, beginning with verse 18. In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of God. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, dear friends in Christ, quote, America is sharply divided between the rich and the poor, the haves and the have-nots. Do you agree with that statement? Surprising, almost half of Americans now do agree with that which is striking because that's up from only 25% who agreed with it 20 years ago. A lot has changed recently in our country. People are increasingly becoming convinced that a deep class distinction exists in our society, dividing those who've got it from those who don't. What about you? If you don't mind my asking, are you among the haves or the have-nots? Does it matter? I don't think there's anyone among us who doesn't wonder from time to time what it would be like to be fabulously wealthy. Maybe you find yourself driving through one of the more exclusive neighborhoods of the Twin Cities, places like Kenwood or Lynnhurst, and you glimpse a sleek limousine disappear between the gates of a huge mansion, and you wonder what would it be like to be one of the halves. I think most of us realize that money doesn't always equal happiness, or probably not even most of the time. But there may be something you don't realize, or something that you haven't really pondered for some time, and that is that you are among the haves. God has raised you up and placed you among the top 1%, the very elite of the earth, He has bestowed on you incredible riches. And that's why our theme today is God turns have-nots into haves. That's what Jesus came to do, after all. And didn't he most often do it in the most obvious, outward, and downright miraculous ways? How often didn't the Lord Jesus literally fulfill this prophecy from Isaiah? To the deaf he gave hearing. To the blind, he gave sight. To those who couldn't walk from birth, he gave the ability to walk and jump and run. One wonders how anyone with the slightest familiarity with the Old Testament, let alone the vaunted scribes and Pharisees, could possibly miss the fact that all these Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah described actions that Jesus was doing. Perhaps the most significant prophecy in this text, however, refers to the great spiritual benefit that Jesus would bestow. And that is to the humble and lowly, to the poor in spirit, he would give great joy. The text says, the humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. 
In other words, God turns have-nots into haves. And we need to understand that when Isaiah refers to the humble, to the poor, he's not talking about people who don't have much money, because most people would fall into that category. He's talking about spiritual humility, those who are poor in spirit. If you were here last year, you might recall a series of chapel talks given by Professor Pfeiffer, where he spoke at length on this subject, especially as regards that familiar uh, beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. Spiritually humble people are people who understand their absolute dependence on God. People like you, people who have heard God's law and applied it to their own lives and trembled. People who have recognized their deep sinfulness and record of failure. People like the publican in the temple who dared not even lift his eyes to heaven, but smote upon his breast and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. People, in short, who know that when it comes to our natural ability to supply the righteousness God requires, we are definitely the have-nots. But God turns have-nots into haves. How does that happen? How do we, we the wretched sinners, we of all people, become the haves? One writer pointed out what a paradox this is. These are the people who now recognize themselves as poor and in need of everything. How can that bring them joy? It ought rather, one would think, to produce great grief. But their very feeling of poverty and great need is the condition for their receiving the greatest wealth and thus the sweetest joy. What he's saying basically is that God turns have-nots into haves. Those humble sinners who do not hide their sins, but rather bring them to their Lord Jesus and freely confess them. To them, God gives the joy of pardon and salvation in Christ. The poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The Hebrew word for rejoice is kind of interesting there. It literally means to dance around in a circle. So let me ask you this question. When's the last time you were so happy you danced around in a circle? Can't remember? Then listen to what God's word says to you. In Christ, your Lord has cast your sins into the depths of the sea. Because of the righteous life of your Savior, God now views you as having a perfect record and being perfectly righteous. Because of the innocent death of the Son of God on the cross, you now have all of your sins erased from God's book. Because of the triumphant resurrection of your Savior, Jesus promises that you too will one day rise to everlasting life. I wonder if you realize what that means. Because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, there is now no power on earth that can keep you out of heaven. And my Christian friends, if that doesn't make you want to dance around in a circle, then I don't think anything will. Well, may we join Isaiah in saying, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. The story is told of King Cyrus 
the great monarch of the Persian emperor, and how he once captured a foreign nobleman and his family. When they were brought into his presence, the king asked the prisoner, what will you give me if I release you? The half of my wealth was the nobleman's reply. And if I release your children, all that I possess, he said. And if I release your wife, your majesty, I will give you myself. King Cyrus was so moved by his devotion that he released the entire family. And as they were on the road returning to their homeland, the nobleman remarked to his wife about what a handsome man the Persian king was. With a look of deep love, his wife replied, I never noticed. I couldn't take my eyes off you, the one who was willing to give his life for mine. My dear fellow Christians, let us never take our eyes off Christ, the one who was not only willing, but who did exchange his life for ours. Truly in Christ, God turns have-nots like us into haves. To the deaf he gives hearing, to the blind he gives sight, and to the poor in spirit he gives great joy. God grant us the wisdom to understand the great riches that belong to us in Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll conclude this morning with the singing of stanzas 1, 2, and 6 of hymn 425.